Welcome to The Palace Perspective, the podcast that brings you conversations and expert analysis on the topics and trends affecting your everyday financial life. I'm James Andrew, and I'm joined here again today by Charlie Evangelakos. Charlie, welcome. Oh, thanks, James. Nice to be here. Charlie, last week uh, we talked a little bit about a very broad topic, uh, the topic of estate planning. And of course, that's a pretty broad net that we cast. And I think almost everything in, in finance can fit underneath the area of estate planning somehow. Today, Charlie, however, we're going to narrow our focus a little bit for the business owner. And certainly, business owners have a lot that they have to think about. And so when we talk about business owners, many of our clients are small, medium, and even large business owners. And I know a lot of the listeners in the podcast, even if they're not clients, have an interest in this subject area. So a business owner, when you're starting a business or when you're in the middle of a business you know, life cycle or towards the end of a business life cycle, has a lot of different things that he or she has to think about. Let's start at the very beginning. Well, I think that's probably a good place to start. As a business owner, Charlie, you're a business owner. What are some of the things that you think about when you're starting up a business? James, the first thing I would think about is what type of corporate structure am I going to set up for my business? So, for example, am I going to run it as a sole proprietor, as a single owner, and have it run through my tax system, or am I going to set up some type of corporation or partnership? Okay, you just stopped. So I'm going to stop you there for a second. You said something about running it through my tax system. Yes. So it seems to me that there may be a set of taxes for the business and a different set of taxes for the individual. Is that true? Yes, James. So a a sole proprietor is a single owner of a business. There's no formation of a business. There's no state requirement. You just run a business like you would out of your home. And all the revenue and and income from the business will just flow right into your tax return. Oh, your personal income tax return. Personal income tax return. 1040. Okay. So now, as opposed to maybe a large business, I'm thinking of maybe an IBM, for example that's probably not structured as a sole proprietorship, I would imagine. That's structured as a corporation. Oh, a corporation. Okay, so that's different. Now, a corporation pays its own set of tax? So there are two choices there, James. There is a S-corp and a C-corporation pays its own tax, and an S-corporation, the earnings from the S-corp flow right to the owner's tax return. So there is a different tax structure. Ah, so it passes through, in other words, to the individual taxpayer's return. Correct. That's interesting. So why would one consider, why would one do that? Why wouldn't I want to have the corporation just pay the tax and I don't have to worry about it as an individual owner? It seems like a better deal. Is there a, a tax rate arbitrage here that I should be thinking about? It's a little more complicated than that, but a, a C-Corp, as with our latest uh, tax law that was enacted several years ago, the as you all hear in the news, C-Corporation taxes were reduced from the 28% to 21%. And the if that so the corporation you have the benefit of having a much lower tax rate and an s corporation you get taxed at your personal tax rate and whatever that is based on your income it could be as high as 35 percent so it sounds like it would always make sense to set it up as a c corp because 21 percent is lower than 37 percent if i'm in the top individual income tax bracket but is there maybe let's see another level of tax that if i wanted to take money out of my business i'd have to contemplate as a c corporation shareholder on the surface, C-Corp sounds like a better deal than S-Corp because you're paying 21 versus 37% tax. However, if you're in a C-Corp, not only do you pay tax at the corporate level of 21, you also, if you take additional distributions from your company paid out to you, you pay another, you pay it as a form of dividend as a second layer of tax. 
Ah, aha. So, it, so you have to think about it. Now, let's set taxes aside for a second. Are there other reasons to incorporate? Another important factor would be having different classes of stock, meaning that if you wanted to maintain, if you had multiple partners, maybe one owner wants to maintain all the voting shares, and that would be a percentage, and the other are non-voting members that are just investors in the business. There are a lot of businesses where you have those types of scenarios, so it's important to have different classes of stock. So you can, you can separate control from equity in, in a corporation by having different types of shares. Yes. I understand. Okay. What about just simple liability protection? If I have a corporation, are the assets in that corporation separate than my personally owned assets? That's an advantage of having a corporation or even what they call LLC, limited liability company, because you're limiting your liability to the investment that's specific to your business. Okay. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, let me ask you, you're, we talked about there's different cycles to a business at the beginning. There's a startup cycle. There's maybe a mid-cycle where you're growing, you're producing a lot of revenue. And then maybe towards you get to the end, you're thinking about transferring ownership of that business to maybe it's the next generation, maybe it's a third party, whatever. But would there be reasons for a business owner or is it even conceivable that a business owner would say, the business structure I chose at the very beginning of my business is probably not the best business structure for me now. Maybe I'm in mid-cycle or maybe towards the end of a business cycle. Any thoughts there? Yeah, you're getting into more of accounting tax questions, but it, it, just in simple terms, if you start with one entity and you, at some point in the future, your business matures and you're looking to transition to a different type of entity because you're looking at selling your business or transferring it to the next generation or selling it to an employee, there are midstream changes to the corporate structure. Again, there's, in some cases, there's tax consequences, but that's something a good CPA can, can determine for you. Okay. So there's three main structures to a business. There's a sole proprietorship. You mentioned that. There's yep. a corporation, and there's a partnership. Right. Now, I think that the word partner connotes something to me. It sounds like there's more than one. So in order for there to be a partnership, I have to have more than one owner. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Now, depending on the, chi the type of uh, corporate or business structure I choose, does that have any impact on my ability to offer certain benefits to employees, including me as a business owner? Not necessarily. A typical business will start with this. It's important. Obviously, employees are very critical to a business. And just the success of your business is as good as the employees that you, that you have. Yeah, absolutely. And a typical business will have standard benefits, health insurance, dental insurance, disability 401k plan, those are standard employee benefits that are available to everybody, you know, the entire population. And whether it's a C corp or an S corp, the C corp, you, you know, allows for additional deductions for those types of, so that gets into some of the nuances and the details. So Charlie, we talked a little bit about the choice of business structure as it relates to the ability to maybe have differences in equity versus control. We've talked about the fact that a business structure can provide a layer of maybe liability protection between the business owner's personal assets and the corporate or business owned assets. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, practical planning for a business owner. I think that most business owners would agree that the success of their business lies heavily on the success of the employees or the ability of the employees to accomplish their jobs and their business and do it at a high level. Is that fair to say? I'm 100% agreement with you. So in trying to attract and retain these types of employees, 
What are some pretty standard um, benefits plans that a business owner might be thinking about in addition to just salary compensation? What are the other things that our business owners would be um, looking to put into place? Well, James, to start, every firm would have good standard benefits for all the rank and file and key employees. And those are the everyday benefits of health insurance, dental insurance, 401k plans, long-term, short-term disability. It's a, a typical cafeteria standard plan for their employee. And these can be expensive plans, right? Depending on the employee makeup. I and mean, some of these I think are based on the age and size of the employee's family, if you're gonna offer that type of benefit. We don't have to tell our listeners how much health insurance costs and the costs each day. So these are expensive benefits, but important for all. And not every business offers full benefit packages to their employees. Are there tax advantages for the business owner to offer these uh, benefits to employees? Well, they can get a deduction. Oh, so the cost of the benefit yes. itself is offset. deductible. They can offset that with a, with a tax deduction. Yeah, okay. But the other important factor is, are there specific key people in the company that they want to reward separately from the rank and file? Ah, why would they want to, obviously you say specific key people yeah. go into that. What do you mean by that? Yeah, there are critical employees that help, there are critical employees that are very important to the success of the company. Okay. And in order for to provide them an incentive and, uh, and you want to make sure you line up their interest with the owner's interest, there are certain ways that you can benefit those employees. So are we talking about for those key employees, maybe they get to participate at a higher rate inside the 401k than the rank and file employees? Is that what you mean by that? There are ways to do that because you can alter the 401k to favor certain employees based on their salary or based on their age. So there are ways to do that, but it's difficult to single out specific key employees using a 401k plan. We use other tactics like deferred compensation, stock ownership, and so forth. Oh, okay, deferred compensation and stock ownership. So the, the idea here with these key employees is to obviously retain them or leave it or perhaps attract them, but what about replacing them? If something were to happen to that key employee, where is there anything the business owner might be thinking about putting in place to mitigate against that type well, of risk? The loss of a key employee could have an inter interference with the uh, success of the company and the revenue of the company. So one common tool is uh, key man insurance, where the company will buy a life insurance policy on a key employee in the event of their death, premature death, the company would be infused a specific amount of cash to help go out and recruit, train, and hire a new employee. So you mentioned key person, Charlie. I, I would think that these benefits, and I'm sure you'll go into it in a second here as to what you're talking about, but these benefits packages are designed to attract and perhaps retain key persons. But what happens if that an individual is disabled or what if they are die prematurely? It's a key person really critical to that business owner's success in the business. What would you do as a business owner to mitigate against that type of risk? One common technique is simply to buy key person insurance or disability insurance or life insurance on the employee. In the event of a premature death, the company would receive a death benefit and they would use those proceeds to recruit, hire, and train a replacement in order to continue the company. Okay, so, in, and obviously it is a you know, gap stop. Obviously that's not gonna replace that per, uh, employee permanently, but allows that corporation or business owner to go out and find someone else or at least run the business perhaps not at the same level, shores it up with cash. Correct. Now, are those insurance policies on key persons, are those considered to be you know, taxable income to the business owner? 
Uh, no, he pays for it with that. The business owner would pay for it with after-tax dollars. However, the death benefit is completely income tax-free ah, to okay. the business. As long as I think they follow rules and notify the employee that they're insured and get the consent on that. And I think that's important. That's correct. You talk a little bit about some various forms of key employee compensation or pack benefits packages that you've seen or perhaps you've even helped implement. We started, obviously, we talked about standard 401k plans, and that's for the rank and file and the entire employee population. And so you can't, uh, that you have to offer that to each employee. For key employees, there are certain other compensation programs that are effective. One may be, a popular one is deferred compensation, where the company can, can single out specific employees and set aside separate accounts to, to benefit the employee by making contributions to the deferred comp plan. And a deferred comp plan could be set up based on company objectives, based on sales, some kind of performance measures, whatever it may be by the company that, so that could be set up so the employer would set aside a separate amount of funds for the employee for a future benefit, but let's say upon retirement. It sounds to me that if an employer were to do that, a business owner would do that, he's really, or she is really amassing some sort of deferred liability and doing something like that, say, you're a key employee of mine, and I'm promising to give you some benefit down the road to retain you with the company, am I not just accumulating a large liability in my balance sheet as a business owner that at some day is going to come due? Yes, you are. You're building a liability. Now that could be a vested liability where the employee has to, to stay with the company for a period of time and make sure they meet the qualifying criteria and the performance levels for them to earn that. But yes, you are building a liability and you're making a promise to the employee to pay them the benefit at some point in the future. Right. Yes. Now, so am I setting aside funds as I go to fund that future liability or is it just it's out there some, I know I'm going to have to swallow hard and, and take care of it as a business owner. Obviously, I think yeah. that there's ways that you can you know, design these plans and certainly thinking about how you're going to pay for them is really important as a business owner. And because these are key person plans, they're not always given the same tax favorable deductions that you would have for the rank and file of the qualified retirement plan. So that's another consideration, right, as a business owner that I'd have to think about. You can have it unfunded, like kicking the can down the road and deal with it later, or you could set aside funds each year to meet that future liability. So that's one form of compensation. There's also just equity ownership in the company. Oh, okay. You know, and we hear that a lot. However, you have to be that's... careful. Equity ownership in the form of, if, if someone is a critical employee, you can give them ownership of the company, stock directly. Yeah, that sounds like uh, that's a pretty big decision, right? To give ownership of my company to a key employee. I have to be really confident that an employee is going to stick around for a long time. Yeah. The biggest problem is you have now owner of a company. You have to pay out their pro-rata share of income. They own the shares at retirement to buy them out. So that's, those are issues. However, there are ways around that because there are other forms of ownership that don't require actual ownership. So, for instance, we can provide what they call phantom stock option. Well, they don't actually, they're not actual shareholders of a company, but they get to benefit from the increase in value or increase in revenue. Uh, there are things called stock appreciation rights, stock options. There are ways that you can line up an employee's interest in the company and make sure they benefit from all future appreciation and growth, but not actually have stock ownership. This gets into a whole other array of questions. Yeah, I would think you sound like you're going from 101 to 201 to 301 yeah. here. I would think that if I'm thinking about structures like that, then I'm going back and looking at the actual corporate or business structure I set up at the beginning and making sure that I've thought through all the tax ramifications of setting up these types of plans. But certainly there's a whole, I think, menu of 
plans that can be designed for those key people, those key persons that can help the business owner attract, retain, and even reward those individuals. Speaking of key persons, is it typical for a business owner to look at a key person and think that's someone who's going to step into my shoes when I walk out the door? Every business owner is going to leave the business, I like to say, either vertically or horizontally. And the smart business owners are the ones that are thinking ahead about how they're going to transition their ownership of the business to the next in line. Key person might be someone they consider using for that. But yeah, getting into this whole area of succession planning. You know, what is, are there... Who is a successor? Now, the owner has different options when he has business. Usually a third-party sale. They, want to, they get to a point where their business is mature and they want to cash out and they put it in the market and sell to a third party. Or there could be a family member. There could be a partner. There could be a key person. So that gets into a whole other array of planning opportunities centered around how to transition my business. Yeah, and a business owner, if I'm looking at a key person in particular as a way to transfer my business ownership down the line, I'm probably scratching my head and thinking, how's that person going to pay for this? How are they going to afford to buy my interest in the corporation so I can, or the business so I can walk away into my golden years? Now, the other thing to think about with succession planning, whether it's to a key person or it's to a third party or perhaps to a family member, really has to be coordinated with that overall umbrella we talked about last time, which is estate planning. I'm setting up a will, perhaps I'm setting up a trust. If my business, which for most business, you know, most individuals, if you're a business owner, that is the large significant source of your net worth. You absolutely want to make sure that business succession planning is coordinated with your overall estate plan. And so many times we see that it is not in one way or another. Would you say that's important? Absolutely, James. First of all, if you're a sole owner of a business and and something happens to you, there are mechanisms like give an example, a buy-sell agreement put in place that someone can make sure this they can buy you out for a specific value so that your family is made whole. Well, but you said if I'm a sole owner, uh, by sell right. agreement, would that make sense there with the sole owner? No, the sole owner, you know, if you have a key, well, I'm, going, I'm tracking back to the key employee idea that you had earlier. Oh, let's see. Okay. So now I, if I have someone that I know that can run the business, so my goal would be to set up a contract with that employee. And in the event something happens to the business owner, there would be an agreement in place where the key employee would buy out the owner for a specific you know, price. But how's the key person going to afford to buy out the business owners? If you had a valid buy-sell agreement in place, that is a contract between the owner and, let's say, the key person that you had in place for a specific dollar amount for the sale. So the, what happens upon that, you sell the business to the, to the key person, and he turns around and sets up a promissory note or an agreement with the family. And then he'll just take the earnings of the company, and over the next several years, We'll pay back the note. Sounds like it's, interest. Well, okay, I, that makes sense. But it sounds to like uh, if I'm a business owner, I'm thinking, well, I sure hope this key person can continue to run the business because it sounds like his ability or her ability to pay me back that note is contingent upon the business continuing to be successful. Is that fair? That is absolutely the case. So what, so, might, what else could we think about? Another option is to ensure the buy-sell agreement. What that means is that the key person or the company would buy an insurance policy on the owner and then we would be using the insurance to buy the shares ah, or, a combination, okay. or a combination of So both. life insurance on the business owner could immediately provide cash to that key yes. person that could be used to buy out the business owner. Yes. But it sounds like I'm paying for my own buyout with that arrangement as a business owner, which I guess may be okay if I can do it efficiently, but that may be one way to look at it is I'm, I'm funding my key person's own buyout. 
Right. That's all part of the financial plan you would create. Right. You would create for the business owner, and it's it's a multitude of different considerations you have to you know look into. Is you know what what other assets do you have outside the business? What's the business worth? What's the cash flow? Does he care about his employees? There are a lot of factors you have to look at. But I'm just using a general you know. I think for the business owner, the the, the two big questions that you know he or she needed to think at the end at the at the succession part is. Do I want to leave the business to a family member or a key person? That's one group of people, we'll call it. I know those are different, but let's say that's one group. Or to a third party. Because the, the pathways I follow, depending on whether it's a business owner, a key person, or a third party, are completely different. In one case, if I'm leaving it to a family member, I may not be as concerned about maximizing the value in the business. Matter of fact, from an estate planning perspective, I might be as concerned about minimizing the value on that transfer. Right. Versus if I'm leaving it to a third party and I'm selling it to a third party, I'm wanting to maximize value of my business. Now, going back up a step, a, a smart business owner, before he or she gets to that end stage, is thinking ahead and saying, are there estate planning strategies I should be employing for some of my business equity so that when I get to that point where there's a monetization event, whether it's third party or to a family member, I've removed some of the future estate tax liability that's based on the value of this business ahead of time. So there are ways to do that. I want to get into that today, but I, I think that's something we ought to eventually you know, bring up with our listeners is ways to mitigate against that, not just the income tax liability or capital gains tax liability, but also estate tax liability that's associated with the business owner's golden goose, that business. James, what you just mentioned in the last 30 seconds is why it's so complicated to be a business owner these days. Sure. You have to have the vision. You have to think about the next generation, whether you're going to sell the business or you want to pass it on to the children. The goal is that there are multiple different strategies that we would employ to transfer business to the children uh, or the next generation. And that's a whole other topic in itself. But other, the goal would be to discount the value of the business to, to as much as you can and transfer it into a vehicle that the both the owner and the owner's spouse can still benefit from during their lifetime to get all the future appreciation and growth out of the, to the next generation. So there are, we can have an entire podcast on that to talk about sale of businesses. We can talk about grant to retained annuity trust, sales to defective trusts. We can talk about charitable planning ideas. All these could be incorporated. Well, I mentioned it's a tension, Charlie, between trying to manage taxes, but also maintaining control and continuing to be in a position where you can drive the growth of that company for your generation, for the next generation. We've talked about a lot of topics, business cycles, business entity structure, choice, selection, employee benefits, key person benefits, and now business succession. I know we just hit the very tops of those trees, and I think eventually we need to get into some more detail, but that's probably good for today. I want to thank you, Charlie, for spending some time with me again and looking forward to speaking again with you. Thanks, James. And thank you for listening to this podcast today. As a reminder, I want to let you know, you can find us at our website, www.palacecapitaladvisors.com. That's palace with two L's, P-A-L-L-A-S, capitaladvisors.com. I'm James Landry. This has been Charles Evangelakos. And thank you again for listening. We'll talk with you next time. Palace Capital Advisors, Triad Advisors, LLC, GWM Advisors, LLC, and their representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. 
You should consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. These materials are provided for general information and educational purposes based upon publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. We cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. The information contained herein is for informational purposes only, is not personalized investment advice and should not be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any particular security, sector, or strategy to any individual person or entity. Securities offered through Triad Advisors LLC, member of FINRA, SIPC. Investment advice offered through GWM Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor. GWM Advisors LLC and Powell's Capital Advisors LLC are separate entities from Triad Advisors LLC.